Hello, and welcome to episode three of This Too Shall Pass. So, today I'll be talking to uh, Gary Adair Gilliland, Dr. Gary Adair Gilliland, who is a general practitioner in Belfast, about mental health, about loneliness, particularly in the face of uh, COVID-19. And I know I said I wouldn't talk too much about the pandemic in episode one, but the reality is, is that the situation for a lot of people has changed in terms of how they look after their mental health, including me. And I just want to preface, that's a big word, isn't it? Preface. I just want to start the episode by giving a bit of background on what we're going to be talking about today, and that is loneliness and how it's been impacting people. For me, loneliness has been something that I have dealt with all my adult life, even when I'm in a room full of strangers, or in a room full of friends, or in a room full of family, even when I have people that are sitting beside me, even when I'm sitting in the same room as my husband, sometimes I feel incredibly lonely. That is not because I'm on my own. That is because I believe that I am not worthy of other people's company or that I don't know who to reach out to and I don't know where to start. So if you're out there and you're struggling with loneliness, I'm not going to tell you to reach out and talk to somebody because that's easier said than done. But please, please, please know that you are loved, that you are valued, that you are important and that right now you are probably doing the best that you can. And isn't that enough? You're alive and you're loved. And that's enough. Sometimes it's enough. Not all the time. So I'm going to quit babbling. I'm going to play my cheesy intro. And then we're going to get right into the interview with Dr. Adair Gilliland. You're listening to This Too Shall Pass podcast. A show about mental health. This is Stephen Donandalzel, your host. Hello, Stephen. How are you? Hi, I'm not too bad. Thanks. How are you, Gary? I'm good. I'm good. Good stuff. I'm sorry, but that's made me make sure it worked before we did the whole thing and then it didn't save because I would cry, I think. <laughs> no worries. You're... Um... <laughs> I've, I've, uh, yeah. I suppose it's it's technology, particularly doing things like this, is is very useful, but also sometimes unreliable. But uh, yeah. I know, hopefully, hopefully it's it's all good and records well. That's dead on because there's been a couple of times and I've done the podcast episodes before, and then I've got maybe twenty minutes in and realised that none of it's recorded. So <laughs> ho- yeah, hopefully that won't happen this time. But um, <laughs> yeah. So um, welcome to episode three of uh this too shall pass which is a new podcast about uh mental health and living with mental health issues um i'm joined today by um the wonderful dr gary adair gilliland please tell, tell me i pronounced that right yeah that's absolutely fine um as I said, <laughs> to everyone you can basically just call me whatever you want um as, <laughs> yeah and uh, as long as long as i'm able to, to help or respond <laughs> in some way no, it's brilliant. I really appreciate you uh, coming on the podcast. I think it's really useful as to talk to someone like yourself who is a professional who works in the, the field, um, especially at the moment with everything that's going on. 
you know, would I be right in saying that from your experience, you know, mental health issues have kind of been a bit more exacerbated because of COVID or is that an overstatement? No, no, it's not an overstatement at all. I think I, for all of us, we're, we're having increasing strain of just a, um, you know, adjustment, um, adjustment to not just a coronavirus, but adjustment to just a, you know, our, our, our social circles changing, our way we're doing work, the way we're doing life generally changing. So change just brings strain on all of us. And I think that strain is very much uh, you know, really, I suppose, dominating um, its impact on our mental health more than anything else. Uh, really, there is lots of, of course, um, other impacts too, but our mental health really has, I suppose, took a, a large strain for, for everyone. Yeah. Um, so it's not it's not overstatement at all then. It's something, that, you know, personally I've been experiencing is, you know, it's been quite difficult to, you know, adapt the ways I cope with, um I suppose the anxiety and the kind this kind of unique moment that we're living through that everyone's experiencing the same thing at the same time. So there is that kind of shared um anxiety as well. So as a GP, what are the kind of issues that you have been seeing people coming to you with? Or has it been as bad or if not worse? Or has it has has it been what I'm trying to ask I suppose has has it has it been crazy? since the start of lockdown for people seeking assistance with mental health issues? Yeah, I, I think it's been something which has been a, of course, um, a lot of our work is obviously um, speaking to people about their mental health and trying to either kind of help them uh, at that point of contact or signposting them. And mm-hmm. throughout the, I suppose, really from the start of lockdown, I think it was that day, particularly in the, um, not, not so much kind of everyone's affecting this way, but particularly in the already slightly isolated groups, um, the elderly or maybe those already dealing with social anxiety or um, kind of other conditions. It's just had that immediate impact. Um, so that was right from the start of kind of the unknown um, dealing with new levels of uncertainty, not just around COVID, but around kind of you know how am I going to cope in these um, uh, in these ways? I suppose you mentioned about kind of your coping mechanisms and having to mm-hmm. I suppose adjust them um, as we all have. But I think uh, you know it's it's any of us who are dealing with kind of uh, you know kind of already sometimes um, pre-existing anxieties and have our coping mechanisms in place and all good, you know. And then when something that's very much out of our control and has been a persisting thing in our lives, it's been really hard to, I suppose, find that day, that that way of adjusting. And I think still we're we're not finding kind of the ideal way of adjusting because we kind of still have very much the, oh, as I suppose your, your podcast title is This Too Shall Pass. So we're still yeah. living in a, a limbo situation of, of maybe not coping um, at times as much as we would have. Yeah. Uh, the name of the podcast for is kind of aspirational as well because we don't know how long this uh, is going to last. And I haven't really talked about the pandemic a lot in the last two episodes because I think we're kind of, if I'm right in saying, probably overwhelmed with bad news about what's happening out there and that can feel very much for someone like myself who lives with anxiety Mm. very much out of control it's like watching a a car accident in slow motion over the course of what nearly a year now um we've been living with this uh so yeah i suppose kind of one of the things i'd like to talk about 
today is loneliness. Um, because I don't think it's something that we talk about a lot, particularly around lockdown and, you know, having to self-isolate and, uh, you know, we're, we're, people are talking about, you know, we need to shield the vulnerable, protect the elderly. But at the same time, the, the other side of that as well, we're effectively asking people to, you know, isolate themselves even more from society than they already were. And you touched a wee bit about, uh, a wee bit there about, you know, the elderly and already vulnerable groups. Mm-hmm. Um, in your experience, would it be the, you know, elderly population that would be the ones that are experiencing the brunt of this um, in the sense of loneliness? Yeah, I, I think so. Um, I think in terms of, of course, speaking to, uh, you know, kind of a large variety of people, and of course, um, it is the elderly that uh, consistently feel that they're being kind of um, maybe swept aside um, yeah. in terms of, uh, I suppose, uh, you know, I'm a, you know, I would say young, but, you know, relatively young, um, you know, kind of healthy-ish um, person. And, you know, I'm saying, well, okay, yes, I've got this anxiety about it, but I think, you know, the elderly group, it's um, it's been something that's been forced upon them more so than even mm-hmm. me um, and someone who's vulnerable, that, that sense of loneliness that maybe was already existing from someone living in a, a, a nursing community or even kind of sheltered accommodation that yeah. they've just been shut out. Um, and uh, yeah. I think, uh, you know, yes, there's telephone kind of check-ins with people, but it's the same as kind of, you know, it only goes so far. Um, and uh, yeah. I think it's been, it's just been such a, a dramatic kind of, uh, oppression um, in terms of uh, a yeah. kind of uh, ongoing loneliness. Um, so I think those groups in particular, um, you know, do say and say quite, those quite loudly in different, uh, you know, kind of uh, contexts. And um, whether it's to me as a GP or whether it's uh, kind of on the news that they're they're feeling it, um, they really are. And uh, although you know we're we're trying to create new ways of support to help us with that feeling of loneliness. But uh, I think uh, we were all aware that loneliness was probably something that was uh, an already existing um, pandemic um, before um, this change occurred. Yeah, it's, and this this pandemic of loneliness has just been exacerbated by um, an uncontrollable situation, I suppose. Um, you know, the Office of National Statistics brought out a report um, in June to say that uh, since lockdown began on the 23rd of March that there had been, uh, from the 3rd of April, sorry, the 3rd of May, 30.9% of adults, which is 7.4 million people, reported they had seen their um, well-being negatively affected by loneliness. And another, a further 2.6 million reporting that they felt lonely often or always. And I suppose as a, as a GP and, and, you know, a practitioner in the field, how, how have you been able to, or what is the, what, what are you struggling with in terms of being able to help people with those mental health issues that are experiencing loneliness? I think the, the, the struggle is the, the format that we have to, I suppose, try our best to adhere to, which is the, the, the telephone call. It's the yeah. telephone consultation more than anything else. And, that I find is a struggle because relationship can't be built just quite the same over a telephone call. Um, yeah. And there's also the, 
fact that on a telephone call there's the lack of silence um there's often filled air filled gaps there's the disingenuous empathy that mm-hmm, whilst you know feeling that that's there it can feel a bit disingenuous yeah. over the phone when you're not face to face so that's one of the things i struggle with most as a gp is physically not being able to see people although it's still yeah. good to be able to talk to people and feel that connection um, and and still have that kind of uh, relationship that you're still able to listen and still able to affect change, whether it's, you know, helping to work through something or whether it is, you know, thinking about kind of, you know, um, medication as a way of support. Um, you know, there is there is things that we can do to help, um, but it's it's not the best format in my opinion um to help um but it is a, a format which is very very useful of course you know so many phone lines out there that already existed um that offer yeah. lifesavers literally um so it's nice to have it there and be able to feel that your your patients can still reach you excellent um i think it's incredibly important as well to acknowledge the work that you have been doing as a GP throughout all this and all our NHS workers have been doing um, a phenomenal job and I thought it's probably a debt we'll never be able to repay. Um, how have you been coping with the stress and pressures of um, this pandemic and how have you been looking after yourself, Gary? Well, I suppose uh, the way I've been coping with uh, the stresses is, I suppose, like I think before, um, I suppose, the kind of changes in life, I was someone who wasn't possibly the most social person anyway, um, but uh, I was still not able to go to various groups and meetings and different things I've yeah. done with friends and dinner and things like that. So the way I've been coping is very much, I suppose, still trying to keep in touch as much as possible. Um, you know, I suppose it's uh, useful to have kind of a, you know, my husband uh, here as well. Um, so I do feel for uh, kind of, you know, I, I was saying to someone the other day, if, you know, thank God that I wasn't, you know, single, not 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 against anyone who's single um, in any way. I get what you mean. Um, but yeah. also, like, I, I would have probably struggled because I'm not an overly social person myself. Um, yeah. so I think it's, it's, there's certain ways, certain things that I've been fortunate that have been around me. Um, and also one of the things that has helped me cope is the fact that I've been able to go to work. Um, and, yeah. and just even, you know, be around my colleagues and kind of have, have that kind of support. So that's been one way I've been, I suppose, coping in that. And, uh, the other usual things, you know, trying to, you know, kind of, uh, exercise and do all the things that's kind of our, our coping mechanisms that I've tried to build in my yeah. life over the years um, and uh, I suppose just kind of keep doing the things that I, I know that I enjoy whilst the other things aren't available yeah that's that's a, yeah that's interesting you know you, you mentioned exercise for me that's never been something that I, I've ever enjoyed um, but you know for a lot of people it's been incredibly important with the gyms and a lot of different, um, I suppose, leisure centres. Does anybody actually call them leisure centres anymore? No, I don't think here. so. But yeah, leisure centres. Yeah. <laughs> with, with those being closed or restricted, uh, have you seen, um, I suppose, an increase in people that have been, that usually what you know, patients that usually would have been okay experiencing mental health issues as a result of their routines being completely upended working from home or having you know to self-isolate or uh, you know having to share a workspace with people that 
aren't their colleagues, such as their you know family or housemates? Has that had an impact? Do you think on people? Yeah, I, I think it's the impact of uh, kind of changing your routine because um, although kind of you know we all love to change and also have aspirations of changing and um, when it's yeah. imposed on us it's it's something which can be negative uh, you mentioned about the, the yeah. gyms being closed or having to work from home um, I've seen I suppose kind of the the change in routine and working from home like it's it's something which you know we kind of a lot of people very much so on on the on, the, on different social uh, media platforms kind of joked about during kind of you know kind of having to work from home that you know yeah. there was you know people were drinking more people were exercising less and that's true and that's what I was hearing that's what I was seeing and you know those are things which kind of then erode um your coping mechanisms and you know I'm sure kind of like I empathize with that too that kind of you know I know that whenever kind of you know, you've had a, a week off work and you think, OK, great. Well, you know, I, I get to do nothing. Um, it actually, you come yeah. out the other end of it sometimes feeling like, actually, I really feel like I'm I'm not moving forward. That I, I really wasted my time there. Um, yeah. so I think it's, the, it's sometimes in the reflection, maybe more so now in the last few months of that initial period of lockdown going, well, yeah, a lot of people are maybe looking back, and I hear this from a lot of people looking back, going, "Yeah, I was, I was drinking way too much. Um, yeah, I was just eating the crap all the time. Um, I, I just kind of let kind of you know life just just go on to standstill um, whilst everything was going on." And I think that was kind of a, a, a kind of a way that I suppose those, those restrictions have negatively impa- negatively impacted people. Yeah, and I suppose it's it's trying to balance that the expectations of people who are doing their best to get through this while at the same time trying to impress upon them the importance of you know these restrictions and and why they're in place i know that working with my own clients and work it's very frustrating because we have people that you know have in you know ongoing enduring complex mental health needs Mm -hmm. as well as addictions and you know loneliness has always been wrapped up in that and it's very. It's been difficult to try and alleviate or help them alleviate those feelings of loneliness because they would have went to things like Alcoholics Anonymous or NA, or drop-in centres or counselling, uh, you know, daily activities like day centres, etc. All that has just stopped, and yeah. you know, there's there's no kind of. Suppose I don't want to say light at the end of the tunnel because I don't want to seem grim. It's a, it's a heavy conversation to have, but for those people, they, that's exactly how they feel. That well you know, I, I don't have anybody now. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how we move forward because we don't know when this is going to end. Um, what what keeps you hopeful throughout all of this, Gary? I think for me, the, the, the hope that I have is knowing that for me personally, like I've been through some very difficult times in my life. Um, and mm-hmm. I think kind of seeing that in patients and you say obviously clients as well. So seeing that in kind of patients, friends, clients, that knowing that kind of whenever it's felt like there's been no one to reach out to, when there's been that sense of loneliness or that sense of that, I just, you know, I think kind of like I, I've spoke about my own mental health in the past and how you get to that point. Sometimes mm-hmm. you're so lonely that you just don't want to be here. But then it's the it's the fact that gives me hope is that, I know that in times like that, when eventually you've reached out, that there is people there. And even yeah. though like during lockdown, I have began to have a complete love-hate relationship with formats such as Zoom, 
whenever you do you kind of eventually go okay right fine i'll have that zoom chinese or whatever with friends and i really hate doing it because i'm just going to sit there in silence and be grumpy for like 20 minutes whenever you do things like that you realize hold on that actually did help um it did actually it was really good even though kind of i maybe didn't contribute very much and uh, you know maybe it's not something i want to do all the time but things like that do, do help and I think it's almost trying to move to a point of acceptance um, of actually going, well, you know, if I can't do things that I used to do, I need to find new things. Um, and uh, yeah. I think that's, that's, the, that's the challenge. That's, but it's also the thing that's hopeful is that uh, by doing new things and trying to approach things in a new way, um, that we kind of are able to, I suppose, uh, relearn or kind of reintegrate um maybe old cook old cooking mechanisms in a new format um and unfortunately you know zoom is terrible um but uh fortunately <laughs> it still is a way for us to connect um and it's not yeah. what we want because naturally we are um i'm gonna say tribe-like animals tribe-like people um yeah. we, we need our tribe around us um you know we need the people sometimes close to us because we are physical um you know beings as much as we you know sometimes don't feel we are um we do need the presence of others yeah i completely agree i think um as a species we're we're social creatures and we need that especially for me sorry that's my puppy in the background crying because i He's in his cage, so please ignore him. Um, <laughs> he's, he's not going to get any sympathy right now. Um, but you know, if it hadn't been for my for my dogs and my husband, um, I think I would have really struggled to make it through. Um, because it's been no, I'm not going to lie. There have been difficult times. There's been slumps of depression and um, periods of severe anxiety because of what's happening. And I don't think I'll ever take for granted the um, ability to stand in a queue outside a nightclub ever again and begrudge that because I miss the social interactions I have with my friends and the going for drinks or, you know, going to the beach or maybe not in this weather, Mm. but, you know, just meeting up with people for a cup of coffee. That's something that for a lot of us was so mundane and so pedestrian that now it is for a lot of people an unobtainable (laughs) aspiration and that must be difficult because for people that don't have anybody to reach out to, what what are they supposed to do? You know, and I'm not asking you to answer that, but <laughs> it's it's something that we have to come to terms with, I suppose, as a society and how we put mechanism, mechanisms in place to alleviate loneliness because this has really compounded it for a lot of people. Yeah. I think, like, so, sorry, go ahead. I think, go like, ahead. you mentioned about kind of, you know, what mechanism you put in place. I think, like, we are good at kind of putting the things in place but then we're lacking maybe in the encouragement for people to engage um you know saying mm. this is okay or, or kind of going along with someone so you mentioned before like the AA group um like there would have been yeah. someone that maybe would have said look 
you know, I'm an AA, come with me. Um, and I think we may be lacking yeah. that encouragement of, you know, the the Zoom meeting, for example, you know, I, I, I've kind of Zoom meetings that kind of I kind of would be messaging a friend beforehand being like, are you going? You know, yeah, OK, well, then I'll, I'll, I'll go too. Yeah. So I think it's sometimes particularly maybe with the, um, you know, with the, the elderly or, or an isolated group of just having someone to bring you along to these things um, and uh, try and yeah. take the, the mystery out of it. So I think there's still, you know, uh, hope um, in terms of the way we do things. But uh, I, of course, we do miss the, the things that we, we did have. But, uh, you know, I think there's a, a new ways of doing everything. Um, you know, it's, uh, yeah. you know, like we had our, a lot Halloween this weekend coming, but uh, we had our Halloween kind of party last weekend, which was just me and my husband and our, our friend uh, who's in a little bubble with us. And uh, yes, we did yeah. get all dressed up, ready to go out, but we didn't go out. But it felt good to do <laughs> it. Um, so it was, it was a you know. So I think it's still there's still ways of doing things, but I need to be encouraged to do it. And I think yes. I need someone that kind of drags me along to do these things, even even at the best of times. Um, you know, so I think it's still something which there is hope, but it's it's sometimes being the encourager and saying, actually, it's all right to go to Zoom meeting. You know, it is going to be 50, 50% yeah. just, just really, you know, shit, but it's going to also be good at the same time. <laughs> um, so I think it's still something that uh, I think we need to encourage um, each other in that day. Uh, yeah, try these things. If you don't like it, if it's not a way for you, that's fine. But it is it is worth trying these things. Absolutely. And I think, well, not I think, I know from personal experience, you know, going through everything that's happening, yeah, I have had to adapt my ways of coping and my ways of socializing and I don't think my I don't think I've ever spent as much time in my life on Twitter as I have and you'll know this from my tweets you're very kind to say so <laughs> but um, I think I, I've been very grateful that I have that outlet mm. that I can reach people that are from you know around the world same with Facebook Instagram mm. etc there's also there's also a, a toxicity in that and that you can you know sink entire hours of your day and week into endlessly scrolling through what can be doom and gloom and there is a, a temptation to engage with that and kind of lean into the skid I suppose so how would you encourage people in an, a time when I suppose everything right now is kind of reliant upon technology and smartphones and you know zoom etc to get a break from that and readjust i find that difficult and i'm not trying to use you as a free consultation as a gp but i would encourage people to do that i think it's it's a you know like you mentioned about kind of trying to trying to break away from the social media aspect of things is that what you're asking how you how to move through that yeah, yeah. move through that because it can be very um, compelling to just continually, you know, put a lot of time into it, but it's not always productive. Yeah. And I find that I, I I spend say forty minutes at a time looking through my phone and not realize where the time has went. And in that time, I could have done something else positive 
for myself. So I think like the 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 advice that I tend to give is some things that kind of I have experienced myself as well as kind of you know we're aware that works and when you begin to think about it, you go right that's that's that makes sense and so one of the, one of the things that I tend to to do is say say well okay there, there was clearly a time in my life where I didn't have my mobile my mobile phone where clearly I wasn't on social media so what did the you know 15 14 year old Gary do um and I loved going out kind of you know for walks I loved reading I I grew up in the countryside very far away from most people um there was just me and my brother um so I read I played video games I did phone friends you know because you know uh although like texting was was about when I was a teenager it was still you know sometimes sitting on the phone and and there yes, wasn't those same yeah. pressures of social media. And yeah, I think social media is fantastic as a way as a finding community. And I've made very good friends just through, you know, Facebook groups, for example. Um, mm. But uh, I think sometimes I use the context of, well, I used to really love, you know, I think I saw someone's, uh, maybe it was it could have been your tweet, but it was someone's tweet the other day about Wool- Woolworths. <laughs> and that brought me back to my 15-year-old self of standing in Woolworths. You know, looking yeah. at, you know, CDs, you know, buying little tin, mini tins of Coke and kind of just enjoying life. So I think it's sometimes <laughs> taking yeah. us back to, right, you know, I used to sit and, you know, you know, try and struggle to play Wonderwall by Oasis. Let's find a guitar. You know, <laughs> and we don't yeah. do those things because we're often kind of, you know, watching a video of someone doing that instead. Yes. Yeah, that's very true. Um, I... I... God, do you remember those wee tiny tins of Coke you got in WeWorks? There was, there, like, I, I haven't seen them since WeWorks closed. But um, I do remember from that photo somebody shared of WeWorks that you could get three bars of chocolate for 90p, and that was a Mars, a Snickers, and a Twix. And that just seems a completely foreign concept now to me. But, um, yeah, we didn't appreciate it when we had it. Um, so when I was younger, I used to play guitar mm-hmm. quite a bit. And it's something I've been keen to try and take up again but this is the thing I just sink my time into social media and there's a loneliness in that as well because it's not it's, it's not real it's it's a it's a filtered version of reality and it's in a lot of ways you're, you're putting out into the world what you want to and people will perceive you in the way that they want to perceive you it's not always healthy so I sometimes find that there is a, a bit of an echo chamber and there is a loneliness in that, even when you're surrounded by literally hundreds of thousands of people on social media. Sometimes it's it's not a genuine connection. Yeah. And But we take it for granted because there's people out there that, for whatever reason, don't have the ability to access social media, such as people who are elderly. Now, I'm not saying they're all computer illiterate, mm-hmm. but it's, it's probably more prevalent in that age uh, demographic than younger yeah. groups and people who are isolated. I know that uh, Stonewall and the Rainbow Project today released a report or a statement. I can't remember what it was. I'll try and put a link to it. Um, that LGBT people were experiencing, you know, a lot more difficulty with their mental health throughout this because there isn't those shared experiences of, you know, you're working with your colleagues, you're working with people who are like-minded of your tribe, as you mentioned earlier on. And yeah it's been it's been it's been difficult but there is hope as you say um and how how has your 
uh, husband been dealing with lockdown? How does he work from home? So or he, does he, so he doesn't work? work. So he's uh, um, been at home anyway. So he was uh, he was kind of. Uh, yeah adapting quite quickly um i think there's still the not seeing relatives or not seeing um that but i think uh, he's actually been quite good at adapting to it i think as well because you know i was going to say that the two of us are obviously quite close which you would expect i suppose um (laughs) so so i think because we have obviously kind of uh, you know each other in that way that's been um kind of a way for us both to cope so he's been coping uh, quite quite well but i think there's things that he's missing too more so at this stage i think it is the you know getting to that point where i'm really someone who isn't you know kind of you know, really excited about, you mm-hmm. know, a night out. But all of a sudden, I'm like, that's it. I really need a night out. I need, I need, I need to go somewhere. Yeah. And so I think it's it's some, it's those kind of things that are probably uh, weighing on us more. But, you know, I think we've been coping okay, I suppose would be the, the way Good. of saying that. Um, yeah. That's, that's, a, that's a very fair and diplomatic way of, <laughs> of saying it. Um, I think... My husband is rather glad that I am not working from home because uh, I think he would have thrown me oh, out yeah. by now. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah sorry, no, so I worked from ahead. home for the last two days and today I was in work physically yeah. um, and uh, I know that my husband was very thankful um, that I wasn't at home today. <laughs> um, um, but uh, of course he, was, he did say that he missed me. Yeah, um, but uh, of course yeah. I, I believe him sincerely. Um, but uh, yeah, I think it's there's there's a there's a balance to be had and everything. Yeah, absolutely. And as much as we love our husbands and as much as they love us, sometimes it's nice to be able to go to work. And I think you know I'm grateful at the minute because a lot of people aren't able to do that, and I've been laid mm-hmm. off from work, and that in itself creates issues around loneliness because they think well what the hell do yeah. I do now um, so I've been very lucky to be able to go to work and have camaraderie with my colleagues and you know you know, interact with the clients and be able to do my job it's a lot more limited than I was able to do before because of everything that's yeah. happening but I'm grateful to have that and that is an alleviation of loneliness as well um, but mindful of all those people out there that, that don't have that luxury and you know I'm quite privileged to be able to do that still um and, and wake up and go to work every morning and not think well is this today my last day or what's going to yeah. happen so yeah um, one, really of the, do one, of, one of the things you mentioned um i just wanted to come back to it was the they talked about yeah. the kind of the lgbtq um kind of uh, um, yes. aspect of an increased loneliness within um our, our community um mm-hmm. and i think like it's something that i know that i felt kind of you you know kind of felt very isolated mm-hmm. growing up I think because I had that feeling there was no one like me out there mm-hmm. um and I know that kind of a lot of a lot of um people within the LGBT community do feel that um and then that and that's yes. a real fear for me is that kind of going back to that feeling um of being cut off um yeah. and not knowing who to speak to um because I suppose over time we do develop our our kind of friendships our tribes that we kind of are part of um yeah. but uh I think it's, you know, I would say to kind of any kind of one that's listening to it, whether they're from the LGBT community um, or whether they're, um, you know, uh, uh, just um, in any sort of uh, kind of um, place, but if they're feeling loneliness, that mm-hmm. social media is still a good place to reach out on. Um, 
because yeah, oh, yeah. uh, like as I said like I know I've been very fortunate to have made friends um all over the world you know from random mm. random groups and still kept in touch with them um and I, I think that's mm-hmm. it's it's not to be underestimated and I think like you know like you mentioned Stonewall and Rain Project like they're they're both very good touch point organizations to kind of either have those things or, or point people in the right direction for community absolutely uh 100% I, I can't agree with you more and they've been doing a phenomenal job throughout this the different you know charity sector organizations and community led organizations throughout all this um have done a phenomenal job and i dare say they saved quite a lot of lives um from people who didn't have anybody else to reach out to in a low moment so you know massive appreciation for them and I, they're they're not appreciated enough mm-hmm. they're a safety net for a lot of people and particularly within our mm-hmm. community. You know, I remember growing up that, oh God, I, whenever I came out, I felt like the loneliest person in the world um, because I didn't have anybody who was like me that I knew except the people that were on TV. And even then it was very hush-hush and it was after the watershed. <laughs> you know, I'm really showing my age here. But, uh, you know, I think it's, it's great that social media exists and that there's so many young people now that are so openly proud and unapologetic about mm-hmm. who they are and that people can reach out to they're an inspiration yeah. and social media has been a real gift to this generation mm-hmm. and to our community particularly those that are already isolated uh yeah well guy i think we'll leave it there i think we've talked to talk to the cows come home yeah. um but the, do you have anything you'd like to add about what we talked about um I suppose like the, the last thing I would add would just be that day, whether you're mm-hmm. reaching out to your GP, whether you're reaching out to a friend or, uh, you know, um, someone that you've got to know on social media um, or in real life, um, just reach out to them, say, you know, hello, because all yeah. you maybe get back is I'm doing OK. How's things? It'll just be a very generic conversation, but there's always someone there to reach out to. Um, so just always don't be afraid to do it. And, you know, the voice that's in the back of my head that's saying don't bother is in everyone's head. But actually it is worth yeah. it. And uh, it might not seem like there is a point, but there definitely is um, because it'll always make you feel more connected and less alone. Fantastic. Gary, thank you so much for your time. Um, I really appreciate it. I know you're working incredibly hard for a lot of people so thank you again for your time to come on and, and chatting to me about this um yeah and i hope you and your husband are safe and well and continue to be you safe too and, well. and your husband as well and have a lovely evening you too thank you so much take care of yourself guy thank you bye-bye well believe it or not that is episode three of this two shall pass Again, just want to say a huge thank you to my guest this episode, Dr. Gary Adair Gilliland, who spoke brilliantly and talked to me about loneliness and what that means for a lot of people and how he, as a a GP or a general practitioner, has been helping people and how he's been coping as well. I just want to remind people that, you know, I, I don't, make any money from this and I, I I don't want any money for this at all but if you do have the time and resources 
I would appreciate it, and I'm sure those people would too, if you could donate to your local food bank, particularly at the moment, whenever people are struggling, uh, whenever people are being laid off their jobs and they have families to feed and children to look after. So, take care of yourselves. Thanks again for listening. I am <laughs> incredibly grateful for everyone who has listened to this podcast, who has shared, who has given me their feedback, who has told me that this has helped them. And I look forward to doing this again next week. So stay safe, stay well, wash your hands, wear a mask and watch your space. Thank you. Take care. Bye bye.